coming today on Negotiate Your Best Life with Rebecca Zung. But somehow I got caught in that um, abuse and that cycle. And every time I thought something was working and it was going to stick, it didn't. And then I would try something else. And then I would try something else. I, I tell people, and, and, and I apologize to your listeners to, to hear this, but I, I literally tell my good friends, aside from selling my body, <laughs> I tried everything, literally everything to make this marriage work. And uh, I finally um, came to the conclusion that I was going to die. I, I was literally at death's door. And uh, I just thought to myself, I, I have to get out. So the big questions are these. How can we navigate and negotiate every situation in our lives, in our career, in our businesses, in our relationships, and even with ourselves for our own self-worth? In other words, what if you could win every time and have no losers? Let's face it, we're not negotiating just to buy a car or for a pay raise. We are negotiating for living in every aspect of our lives. How can we do that powerfully, successfully, and victoriously? Those are the questions, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Rebecca Song, and welcome to the time where you negotiate your best life. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. And this is a really, really special episode. I have Lorraine Carlone with me today, who is um, a former client of mine and one of the most incredible human beings I've ever had the pleasure to meet and get to know. Uh, one of the strongest, smartest, uh, amazing, kick-ass, powerful women on the planet. Uh, and she's going to be sharing her really, really inspirational story with us here today. Um, and I'm not even going to say any more. I'm just going to let her share. And so welcome, Lorraine. Thank you. Thank you, Rebecca. Um, first of all, I'm, I'm honored to be on this with you. And um, I'm so grateful that uh, what you're doing for other women and that maybe I can be a little piece of that to, to bring some uh, um, clarity, um, something that we are, when we're in this uh, maze and web that they put us in that we don't have any of. So thank you. So take us back to um, your story. So tell us about your marriage and um, how long you were married and the type of relationship that you had. Um, well, uh, my husband and I met uh, in our early 20s, and it was um, sort of a whirlwind. Uh, we met, and uh, three months later, we were getting married. Um, and, uh, just, just happened all so fast. And as soon as we were married right away, you know, I didn't want children right away, but he started pushing hard, you know, to start a family. So, um, about 12 months later, um, <laughs> I had my first child and we moved into our home. And shortly after that, we would have small arguments and whatever, but shortly after that, is when he started to rear his real ugly side 
Um, and I was so young, I, I didn't even understand what was happening. I just thought, well, this is part of marriage and we'll work it out. And then uh, soon my second child came and things got worse. As the pressure of lives, our lives started to increase, the more he would just, um, was abusive uh, and, and, and almost in cycles. Um, uh, we ended up starting a business uh, uh, together and we're in that business together for 20 years, um, which essentially kind of trapped me, really. I, I, once I started to realize that this is not, he's not a, well, by the, by, I just knew that there was something wrong. And um, just the way he would treat me, he would, he would talk to me as though I was a thorn in his side. He hated me. And I just couldn't figure out what was I doing wrong? What could I do better? <laughs> um, you know, going to counseling, um, researching, trying to figure this out. There was, there was uh, really no information back then. On, on any of this. There, there wasn't online. There, was, there, there were cell phones. <laughs> you know, there was nowhere to really get any of this kind of information other than go to a bookstore. And really, out of all the books that are out there, can you figure this out? And even the, the therapist we were with at the time, I don't think even understood um, really uh, sort of um, what his illness is, because I, 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 I call it an illness, an, an uncurable illness. And, um, well, life went on and, uh, I, I, I ended up just becoming more and more tattered and confused and starting to lose myself. I, I became, I didn't even, I wasn't even a shadow of who I was. I was just existing. Um, it, it was, it was, it was such torment that even my daughters, when they got into high school age, that were old enough to um, understand that our relationship was just not normal, um, were actually pushing me to get out. Give us some examples. Um, uh, about the relationship and mm -hmm. um, things that he would do. Yeah. Uh, 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 the, the ones that stand out the most are really simple things. Um, you know, getting ready for a vacation. Everybody should be happy. We should be, you know, looking forward to this vacation. Um, there would always be a, a meltdown, uh, an argument, whether it's the right suitcase or not the right suitcase or why do you have to take so many shoes? Or And it's just not like, honey, do you think you can you know, scale back on your shoes. It was a total blowout. Picking the shoes out of the uh, suitcase, throwing them uh, across the room. You know, the girls hearing this, me starting to cry. Um, family functions or holidays uh, eventually became where, um, I'll just give you an example. My, my, my brother, um, actually stopped coming to holidays and family functions when he was going to be involved or we were going to be there, which we always were, um, because he would have a blowout. Was it never, you could never tell who it was going to be with or what it was going to be about. It was kind of hard to stay in front of him to figure it out. Everybody would do the best they could to manage it, but he always had control. 
we always had control over it. So, um, uh, just, it's just so many, so many things. It was just horrific. I just lived in a, uh, and it was almost like a cycle of three months. He would be good. Then he would have a blowout, an attack. And then he would start to, um, feel quote unquote, what we think was just more remorse, but I now know was not, um, and, and start to, you know, you and, and, and what, what did remorse look like? Um, he'd get quiet and, you know, hold his head down, almost like a, like a 12 year old boy when, you know, they know they've done something wrong. Um, and, but would never apologize, would never say the words, you know, I lost my cool. I'm really sorry. Um, let me, you know, work on this. And then of course I would come in and have the conversations with him three or four days after when he goes into his mellow period where I can actually have, there was never any real conversation, but that I can at least have a discussion with him to say, do you understand, you know, your behavior was inappropriate, was hurtful, uh, love shouldn't hurt. Uh, all of these things that I also learned during therapy and, and he would listen, but he would never interact back with me. Sort of like uh, taking this information so that he can use it later um, type of feeling that I got from him. Um, so I, I just became this tattered, sad, um, I, I just felt, well, this is the, this is the cards I was dealt and I have to deal with this. I come from a, a, a family, I come from a family that uh, uh, immigrated from from Cuba in 1959. Um, my parents, my mom was 92 years old. My dad's passed, but very old school. And they, both my parents were actually divorced prior and married and had my brother and I. But So they're not real hardcore that you don't divorce, but you certainly make a marriage work. You turn over every stone before you fail. This is it. Um, but somehow I got caught in that... Um, abuse and that cycle. And every time I thought something was working and it was going to stick, it didn't. And then I would try something else. And then I would try something else. I, I tell people, and, and, and I apologize to your listeners to, to hear this, but I, I literally tell my good friends, aside from selling my body, <laughs> I tried everything, literally everything to make this marriage work. And uh, I finally um, came to the conclusion that I was going to die. I, I was literally at death's door. And uh, I just thought to myself, I, I have to get out. And uh, the first time I left him, I was with him for 32 years. And the first time I, I left, I left in a, in a haste. I left in a, I was just so tormented and so torn down. I just left. And it was not good. I, I, I didn't have anything planned out. I had nothing listed out. I just picked up some clothes and left. And um, I, in, in, you know, some people will say, well, that's what you needed to do. But in reality, it was dangerous. You just don't leave like that, somebody like that, because it's very dangerous. You put yourself at risk. You put your family at risk. Um, I, I put all of our, not that finances matters when it comes to your um, well-being or your family or children's well-being. However, 
I put everything that we had worked for, I had worked for, put my daughter's futures uh, because they were in college and all of that at risk. And I, I found myself after eight months of total torment from him on the side and, and several dangerous situations. So what, what happened during that time? Like, what did he do? Like, when you decided to leave, it, what did, how did he react? Um, he, here, here's something that would probably freak anybody out. But essentially, what really made me leave was that prior to that, I had left our marital bed and was in, the, in my daughter's bedroom. And he got so crazy that he literally took paper and wrote with a big red Sharpie, Sharpie, um, yeah, uh, just, I, I, you know, I can't even remember what it said, but just like 20 sheets and taped them to the mirror of the bathroom, the girl's bathroom. So when I woke up that morning and I went in the bathroom, I had this psychopath, you know, 20 pages on red, with red Sharpie taped to the mirror. And I fled. And I came, my mom came and picked me up and I came here. And then he, of course, came here, had to call the police. I didn't want to call the police on him. We locked all the doors. Um, I, I was very concerned because I didn't want, my father had since passed, thank God. But I, I was very concerned about my brother-in-law um, being around when he would show up and them as two men getting in this altercation and essentially somebody getting killed because he, he could get that crazy where death is not far away. Okay. Um, so there was a lot of that going on. There was a lot of, uh, I ended up not going back to our business because we ran a business together. So I, uh, was essentially left the business. Um, so I was, I was fleeing and I, and, and essentially abandoning my marital home and our businesses. And meanwhile, still being tormented by him. And I, I just had, once I had some time to be away from him, where I could actually start to get some clarity. And it took probably about four, probably about four to six weeks before I could even think like a normal human being again, at least somewhat. I realized this, this is, this is not good. This is not good. So I then started to try to. Because while he's tormenting you, he's also now trying to make you feel guilty for abandoning you. Right. Oh yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, which is the super like effed up thing, right? Like he's treating you like this, you're fleeing, but now you're abandoning him. Oh yes. Oh Yes. And you left me. And do you know what I've done for you? And if it wasn't for me, and if it wasn't this, and uh, you know, I, I, you know, I love you more than anybody could ever love you. I love you more than your your own mother can possibly love you. And you know, all these crazy things that uh, you know. And and I've done this, and I've done that. And you know, of course, he he's he has no blame in any of it. Um, you know, his crazy psychopath writing papers and, you know, uh, slamming doors and throwing stuff across the house and, you know, breaking the shutters on the, on the, on the door, uh, cause he slammed the door so damn hard. Uh, you know, that, that's, 
that's apparently all normal kind of stuff. You know, I, I'm the problem. So um, I, I realized that I was going to really, I was really, he had me where he wanted me. So essentially I left him, but I left him out of him placing intimidating and putting fear in me. So now he basically orchestrated all that. And now I, now I'm the one that's going to lose out on all, on all sides. And I had time to think, and I said, this is not good. Aside from the fact, and I know many women are going to understand this. And during all of that torment and that craziness and that I hate him, then it comes to the, but you know, I really love this guy. You know, I, 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 why does he have to be like this? Can't he see that I love him? Doesn't he understand that? So now I go back into that side of it. So you, you're in this in and out and in and out. And that's essentially how years and years go by on a lot of these women, I'm sure, and men. Um, but I also caught myself doing that during that time. Essentially, my mind thinking, okay, this was crazy. And I did this like crazy flight fear and flight. This was not smart. And then, but you know, he's just so screwed up. And maybe if we, if I do this or I do that, or I go back to that. So I ended up going back. So you're saying yeah, well, well, maybe, me, maybe if, me, I, if I, if I do all of this, I can help him. Yeah. Well, and let me, let me I can tell fix you, him. He did. He did. Cause I stood my ground. I'm not coming back. You've lost your wife. I'm not la la la. So I kind of used that power the power pull on him. So he did start going to therapy twice a week. He, then he started going to church, which is one of the biggest things. Like, I, I want to go to church on Sundays. Like, it's an hour of your life, you know? Give me an hour of this. This is what I... So that was always an issue. So he actually started going to church. He start, My oldest daughter said, yeah, you know what he did? He conned us. And that's exactly what he did. But he, he took the steps. I got to tell you, he, he really took some strong steps when he saw, well, I don't think she's coming back. He started to turn into um, the, you know, the love bombing, the let me do this the right way. Let me do this way, the future faking. Yes. And our therapist, even even to today, uh, has said, I mean, he fooled me. I, I... he said, I really thought I was getting to him. And he was going twice a week, going to church, doing all the right things. So then things start, you know, so now my mind starts to go again and all this. And I know that the people that are going through this understand what, exactly what I'm talking about. So I go back. And he's good. Like he's the, I call him the good Anthony. Yeah, I, I essentially, <laughs> he, there's essentially five of him, okay? I've got, oh, oh yeah, there's five of him, okay? So he was the, he was the, the, which is usually the last one. So he was the fifth, the Kenny Anthony for, I got to tell you about three and a half, four months. And then little incidences would happen. For instance, we would go and get ready to go out to dinner. And so I would whatever, get dressed or whatever. And then these are the kind of sick things he would do. He'd walk by me and go, oh, the lipstick. And I'd say, what'd you say? And he, he said, I didn't say anything. I said, no, you said something about my lipstick. What's wrong with my lipstick? And he's like, I, Lorraine, I didn't say anything about your lipstick. 
So now he's going back to doing this crazy, making me crazy. Um, you know, I, I have not that your listeners need to hear this, but you know, I have I have eczema. You know, I have some eczema. So then I, again, get dressed, whatever. He walks by me, ugh, your elbow. You know. And I'd be like, no, but, but, that, but that's the, that's the devaluing. It's there's little digs. There's little digs. Yeah. And, and so now I, I'm, but now I'm clear. See, I was gone for seven months. So I had time to get clarity. I had time to kind of get my bearings. And, and then for three months, he was great. And none of that, none of that was going on. And now all of a sudden, these little slivers of it, he starts to, to, to put, give you these little slivers and these little slivers. So I'm catching it. Coming up, more on negotiate your best life with Rebecca Zong. But I was still in the in the in the struggle. Thirty two years of marriage, you know. I know he's a good guy when he's a good guy. So you're still going back and forth through all this craziness. And then the last straw was I came home one day. I had my headphones on me. I went to the beach in the afternoon. You know, God forbid I go to the beach without him, but I did because I, he was crazy that day. And I said, I'm just, uh, he was yelling and screaming at the, at the people in the office. And I'm like, I'm out of here. I left, got in my car, went to the beach. I knew there were going to be consequences when I got back, but I didn't care because I was ready. So when I walked in that door, he grabbed the headphones off my head, grabs me by my arms, turns around, shoves me into the recliner, presses his nose up against mine, almost breaks my nose with his nose, yelling and screaming at me. And who do I think I am? Blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter what he says or what he said. Are you looking for a feel-good summer read? Well, I've got it for you. The New York Times bestseller, The Lost and Found Summer Bookshop, is now available in paperback. Written by Susan Wiggs, the plot is that after her mother's death, Natalie Harper inherits a charming but financially strapped bookshop in San Francisco and becomes a caretaker for her ailing grandfather. She finds that books provide a welcome solace for her grief and struggle. People Magazine calls the book a feel-good family saga, a charming tale about the silver linings of unwanted detours. It's perfect for readers of Jennifer Weiner, Emily Henry, Elin Hildebrand, and more. It's a great book for book clubs. It's great for poolside, on the beach, at the lake, on vacation, whatever. The link to purchase it is in the show notes. Grab it and get carried away into your summer escape. When it comes to the safety of a child in a divorce case involving alcohol abuse, there is no compromise. Take back power, strength, and truth from the narcissist in your life with documented proof of sobriety. Soberlink's alcohol monitoring system is the most convenient, reliable, and reasonable way for a parent to provide evidence that they are not drinking when a child's safety is at risk. Soberlink's real-time alerts make it easy to negotiate with any party. Judges can rest assured that the child is safe. Attorneys get court admissible evidence of sobriety, and both parents have empowerment and peace of mind. Get an exclusive $50 off your device by emailing info at soberlink.com and mentioning Negotiate Your Best Life podcast. 
Take a listen to our archive, where you can listen to more episodes that show you the path to how to negotiate your best life. The first, you know, few days after the diagnosis, I've let myself, you know, feel sorry for myself and and be upset. And then I said, you know what? I have to take this into my own hands and figure out what's going to be the best protocol, what's going to allow me to move forward in my life. I'm not going to let this, you know, stand in my way. And I just started to figure out how to navigate everything to move forward because I realized I had a choice. I could shut down and, you know, just let this take over my life or I could figure out how to move forward. And now we return to today's show. I'm catching it and I'm and I'm clear and I'm thinking, oh, oh no, no, no. So as as time progressed, um, then it would go into actual yelling at me. Then um, he got literally got physical with an employee. Um, you know, he just started to regress and regret. Then what, once he had a certain um, threshold. It was bar none. He didn't give a crap. He's literally started yelling at everyone and uh, that that had and, and, and over stupidity, over stupid things. Um, got physical with three people, one of them, which was our daughter. He just got really, really bad. And I think he got so bad because he was suppressing it for so long. I've had a lot of time to think about this. Because he took all that time, you know, to, to be better and to, you know, go to therapy and go to church. And then all those three months, like, suppressing who he really was, that it, once he started, started to come out, it just got to a point where all of it just came rushing forward and was just like, a, like when if a dam broke. That's exactly what happened? Uh, it's exactly what happened. It was like a dam broke, and he was just dangerous. He and then I thought, and I had already started to prepare. Once I started to see those slivers, I'm like, oh, this is, you know, my 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 beautiful brother-in-law says to me, my my sweet sister-in-law, a leopard's spots may fade, but they will never change. They will always have them. They're not capable. And I just didn't want to believe that, you know? I just didn't want to. Um, So as those things started to change and I started talking to my family, I then started to prepare. It took me an entire year that I started to prepare. I started to prepare, um, you know, our finances. I started to, to, you know, um, little by little prepare our businesses and prepare my exit. Almost like if you... Uh, if you're a business owner or, um, you know, almost like uh, if you're moving, say you're somebody's not a business owner, you're listeners, but they own a home and they've had to move. You know how you start to prepare for your move? You go and get the boxes and you, you know, then you start to put certain things away and so on and so forth. Same thing with a business. If you're going to exit, there are certain things that you take. So I started to make those moves. And I finally was ready had everything in place and knew if I left today, I know that I would be successful in staying away because my, that's the key is to stay away. That's, that's the key. And you have to have, you have to prepare. 
And it's really hard to prepare when your mind is really screwed up and they keep screwing your mind up. It is very hard. Um, one of the things that helped me was I started getting up in the mornings and just walking around my block. And of course he had a problem with that too, of course. But you know, what, what, what could he do? You know, I couldn't stop. Was he going to tackle me down? So I literally would just get up in the mornings and walk, put my headphones on, listen to my music and start to think about this and get, start to get stronger and stronger and stronger. Um, I then was finally ready and, but I was still in the, in the, in the struggle, 32 years of marriage. You know, I know he's a good guy when he's a good guy. So you're still going back and forth through all this craziness and then the last straw was I came home one day. I had my headphones on me. I went to the beach in the afternoon. You know, God forbid I go to the beach without him, but I did because I, he was crazy that day. And I said, I'm just, uh, he was yelling and screaming and the, at the people in the office. And I'm like, I'm out of here. I left, got in my car, went to the beach. I knew there were going to be consequences when I got back, but I didn't care because I was ready. So when I walked in that door, he grabbed the headphones off my head, grabs me by my arms, turns around, shoves me into the recliner, presses his nose up against mine, almost breaks my nose with his nose, yelling and screaming at me. And who do I think I am? And blah, blah, blah. It doesn't matter what he says or what he said. That's not the point. Uh, never goes to bed early. He says, I'm going to bed. Hurry up and get your pajamas on and get in here. I'm like, okay. I sat there, waited a few minutes, and I said, what are you waiting for, Lorraine? This is it. So I grabbed a little carry-on suitcase that I had, and I threw everything in there but clothes. <laughs> I threw all my dad's memorabilia. <laughs> it's just crazy. I just went crazy. My horse's molar, you know, my horse's mane that, you know, that we cut off when they die. I mean, all this crazy stuff I threw in, in, this, in this case, and I got in, in my car, and I just started driving. I just got on the interstate and I knew I couldn't stay in Naples because that would be too dangerous. And I drove and drove and drove and drove and drove. And I ended up stopping in Venice, which is an hour and a half north of here, um, in a hotel that we used to stay in when we used to go to horse shows with my daughters. And uh, I took all my dad's memorabilia, my horse memorabilia, uh, my Bible, and uh, my cell phone and my purse and my credit cards. <laughs> And uh, ended up having to go to Walgreens to go buy tights and uh, Florida t-shirt because <laughs> I had no clothes or anything. And I didn't tell anybody where I was at. I called all the credit card companies. I got him off of all of the credit cards that were my, um, that were in my name. And he was just in a, uh, he was, they weren't joint. So I got him off. So I shut him off of those. Um, and, um, I spent four days up there and uh, it was probably the best four days I had had. And uh, I think since I was 21 <laughs> and then uh, went to museums and uh, went to wind pot bathing suit, went to the beach by myself. It was just glorious. And um, when I came back, I had to have a strategy on how I was going to come back because I didn't want to put my family in danger. So I um, had to put that together. And, and it worked out. I had to manipulate the manipulator. I, uh, 
got, uh, got on the phone with him and said... Can and you course, tell that uh, I represented her? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't even... Yeah, let me tell you, and I didn't know what I was doing at the time. I didn't know that's what I was doing, but I basically called him and, and I said, listen, I'm really sorry. I just had like a flip moment. He's like, yeah, you're crazy. You're crazy. You need to get on medication. I'm like, you're right. I, I need to get on meds. I'm so sorry, Anthony. I, I know I have to get on medication. I go, but listen, I'm going to go back to mom's house, okay? And I'm going to spend a night with mom because mom's very worried about me. And I really shouldn't have done that to her either. And he's like, you're right. You're right. And I said, yes, I know. I said, I'll, I'll be home. I'll be home in two days. Okay. I'm going to go mom's and then I'll be home. He said, okay. I come to my mom's house. I talk, I sit down, my brother-in-law, my, uh, get on the phone with my brother, my brother-in-law, and I get together on the phone with the men of my family. And I tell them, this is it. I'm leaving. I'm, and they're like, are you sure? Cause we can't go through this again. Now. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure, but I need your help. I need the support of my family. Uh, I need, I need, and they, they're, they're like, we've been waiting for Lorraine. We've been waiting for you to say this for 20 years. We're here. So I had the support of the men of my family. I, of course, my mom and my sister. And, uh, and I said, okay. I said, I'm, and the, and I said, you guys need to really help me through this. And that they, they, you know, of course they were all in. So I went back and, uh, I, uh, you know, went back and of course now he was in his, remember I told you he'd go into his mellow stage. And his, so he knew I had him where I wanted him and he was very mellow and he's like glad on his back and this and that. And then, um, I waited for the two days to go by and then he had to go out and be gone, uh, I think he had to go, actually, I think he had to go north for, for like a whole day, like North Fort Myers or something. And he was going to be gone all day. And uh, the woman in, in that was working for us at the time, one must, the women knew what was going on. I, I took my big bag and just started packing my clothes. And they're like all looking at me and they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm out of here. I'm out of here and I'm packing. So I packed all my stuff as much as I could and threw it in the car. And then when he got home, I was he saw that my personal things were gone and he called me and I said, Anthony, I have to stay away from you. I realized in these last two days that I need to stay away from you and for whatever, however long. And uh, of course he went crazy, um, came over here and banged on the windows. We didn't let him in. I didn't call the cops on him. I just needed him to calm down. And then I think it was 10 days later, I, walk into Rebecca Zung's office <laughs> and I sit down with you and you interviewed me and you looked across the, I'll never forget it. You looked across the table and you said, you poor thing, you're married to a narcissist. <laughs> I go, a narcissist, what's that? <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. I had no idea what I was married to. I had no idea that what I was married to had no cure. I had no idea of the words like love bombing and, uh, and um, um, gaslighting and none of that. I had no idea. But now that I'm aware of it and that, that you have taught me, I have been able to go back and realize I never had a chance. We never had a chance. My kids never had a chance, you know? So, but 
the good part is, is that um, with this, not only have I learned, but my daughters have learned. And they have, they're now um, healing because they too have been, I had a, da- I had a daughter that was uh, the uh, scapegoat. And I had a daughter that was the golden child, you know, and they were at odds for some time of their lives because he triangulated them against each other for so many of their years. And so now they have understood what's happened to them. And so now they're able to heal and, uh, and have this beautiful journey as sisters together. So um, I'm grateful for that. And uh, I'm grateful to you, Rebecca, and what you have uh, meant to me and my family. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. <laughs> it's been a long road. Um, but I am I'm finally, finally free. I am finally free. Yeah. Yeah, you are. And you have come so far. And I really acknowledge you, Lorraine, for how far you have come from that day that you came into my office and were so beaten down. No, I was broken. Uh, because... He is truly a malignant narcissist. And I often tell the story because I want to talk about the negotiation process. Yes. Because so many people think you cannot negotiate with a narcissist. There's no way you can ever get them to settle. No. And we we got him to settle. (laughs) We got him to settle for everything you wanted. Yep. You got everything we wanted. And I want to talk about that process because there is no doubt that he is absolutely one of the most malignant type narcissists there are on the planet. You just described it. I mean, he started off the mediation. First of all, the first mediation he came to Talk about that one. Oh. <laughs> yep, walked in with his uh, um, uh, walked in with his sunglasses on, his ball cap, his big, you know, um, thick gold chain, and you know, comes in like all squared off, intimidated, intimidating, you know, you know, Guido style. <laughs> and uh, you know, of course, to me, it doesn't affect me because I've lived with that. Um, it's embarrassing because it's you know. You know, it's, it's like, a, it's almost like, it's almost like a, a, a kid on, on, on the playground that comes out the big bully, like you've seen in movies. I mean, that's, that's how he comes across, you know? So yeah, comes in, um, sits down and, uh, oh, doesn't, we stand up and you stand up to shake his hand, remember? And he doesn't shake your hand. <laughs> Do you remember that? I was like, oh my God, how embarrassing. Just wouldn't even look at Rebecca, wouldn't shake her hand, um, I don't, I don't know if he, sh- he shook the mediator's hand or not, um, but then he sits down and crosses his arms on the table and leans forward. So rather than sitting back in your chair, you know, we're here in a, in a professional setting, no, 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 he, he scoots his butt out, scoots the chair out, crosses his arms and leans into the table towards, you know, facing towards Rebecca and the mediator. Um, the poor mediator literally is sitting there explaining what they do, which is basically telling us, you know, what to expect. 
and, um, you know, the purpose of mediation and, um, you know, what, what we can expect and that we're going to be in separate rooms. And so I was trying to explain this. And uh, when he explains the purpose of this mediation, which is to separate the marital assets, he says, oh, so this is about money. Do you remember that, Rebecca? So this oh, is about, I do. Oh, so this is about money in the meeting. It's like, well, yeah, yeah. Your, your wife is wanting a divorce. And so, of course, you have to separate all the things that you have acquired together. And then, of course, anything that you had prior that to the marriage is yours is yours. But, you know, I don't know how much of that there's going to be since you've been together for 32 years. And... And then I, I think he's in that when he pushes chair out behind him. Oh, and stood up. up, screaming. So we get up and leave. Oh, you first, you tried to get me to leave. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm trying. You're like, Lorraine, let's go. And I go, no, no, it's okay. Wait, it's okay. I'm t- that here I am trying to manage him again. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Calm him down. I'm like, no, let's just go next door. So we go into the kitchen next door Yeah. and leave them in the conference room. And we can hear him. Yeah. screaming at the mediator. Yeah, and then you say, should, should, I, should I call the police or are we going to be okay? And I, said, and I said, well, as long as he doesn't challenge him, he, this is all he's going to do is yell and scream. Well, then he ended up leaving. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, we, well, so, and then the second mediation, so that one was done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my God. That was and then, crazy. And then the second mediation, he comes in brandishing again and 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 starts demanding that you return dogs oh, yeah. that you that you don't even have, that your yeah. adult daughter has. <laughs> um and so I I I I I want this story to be told because we had enough leverage. Eventually, we stood our ground. Mm-hmm. We, we created a strategy. Mm-hmm. We, we had enough leverage. And we did all the things that I say to do in my SLAY program. That, and, and it worked like a dream. Yeah. Like a dream. And he signed. Yep. He got so bad at one time that his attorney wanted to leave him there. (laughs) I mean, the poor guy, I felt bad for his poor attorney. I mean, oh, Lord. It was. Yeah, his attorney was like looking at me, like, help me. Yeah. I'm like, I can't help you. (laughs) It's your client. Oh my God, that was just, it was, that's how, but just so your listeners know how bad it was so bad. He was so bad yelling and screaming. And now the other staff in the, in the firm is wondering, should we call the cops? I mean, what are we going to do here? I mean, he's slamming on the wall, uh, you know, just the mediators, like, I don't even know, Yeah, you know, like, but he signed. Yeah. Because no, because you're like, no, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. Because you're right, we had the leverage. He had, he had, he had, he he was literally in a corner. What was he going to do? He was in a corner. And then, then he signed. And then after he signed, it, it you know the nightmare continued. 
for another year, right? Because he could, he was supposed to uh, um, refinance the house. He couldn't get the house refinanced. Then he's throwing his finger, the middle finger up at us. Then I had to get you back involved because he didn't want to, he didn't want to sell it. I wasn't going to sell the house. I wasn't going to sell the house after it was already court ordered to, to, to get all this stuff done. He was still fighting it. Yep. So, but once again, the strategy and leverage yeah, had worked leverage. again. It's like, okay, well, you can go in front of the judge and then she could just tell me she's going to give it all to me. So why don't you just, you know. So we had to sign an addendum. Yep. Had to sign the addendum. And then, you know, it took him forever to get that signed. I chased him around, you know, because, you know, I had to wait. I, and then too, it's a strategy, right? To get him to sign it, to find out where, where he's at with his you know, episodes, which is what I used to call them. But what I, I've learned is that they're not called episodes, they're called um, narc injuries, you know? But I used to call them episodes, you know? And it's whenever he gets to injured, you know, is when he goes into his uh, crazy volatile self, you know? So, oh yeah. So, but I, I have to say, um, uh, it was, you know, finally two weeks ago, everything got signed. Uh, the, the house, the marital house, said. The only, the only thing that connects him and I now are our daughters. That's it. And my daughters are grown women and they can choose to have a relationship with him or not. Right. My oldest has chosen not to. My youngest is trying to make it work. But, um, but I know that there, I, have, I have no dealings with him at all, ever again. Yeah. It's so important, though, to understand the personality type, because had you not had an attorney who understood the personality type, you would have been in a very different place. I'd be I'd be in big trouble. I'd be in big trouble. I'd be in. I, I mean, I was already in big trouble being in this marriage that I was in. I was already and, and divorces. I mean, divorce is not a fun thing, even when it's, I mean, I, cause I have friends that have been through divorces with, that have, um, that have had spouses that are not, um, challenged with any type of disorder and it's still, and that it's been amicable, but it still has been challenging, you know? So, oh yeah. I mean, it's like, divorcing someone like Anthony is like putting World War One, two, and possibly starting third and put it all together. Yeah. And try to come out unscathed. It's, and I, and I did, I did come out unscathed and that's because you knew what you were doing. You know, exactly what you were doing. You know, exactly yeah. how to handle them. You know, exactly how to coach me. You told, you, 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 you kind of paved it for me. And, and then, you know, your assistant was, was amazing. I, and I, I, Rebecca, I, I'm going to tell you, and I've told you this before, I have no idea how I ended up in your office. And I have to, I have to tell you, I know it was divine. It was divine power that literally took my little hands and my, and cause I, I didn't, I would have never, I mean, I knew Anthony was a difficult person. I knew he was not well, but I had no idea what was wrong with him. I never would. I've never even heard of the call me, like closet case closed person, maybe because he had me so 
in this non-reality world for so long, but I didn't even know that that the term high conflict personality existed. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. No, I really didn't. So that shows. Well, I, I am. I'm so proud of you, Lorraine. I mean, you have come so far. I mean, really, and and you are such an inspiration to so many people. And I'm so um, really grateful to you for being um, willing to share your story because I know you're going to help so many people. So, so thank you. Thanks for stopping by and listening to this episode of Negotiate Your Best Life. I'm Rebecca Zung. Check back next Monday for more inspirational pearls of wisdom. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, I'd love if you would give it a five-star rating and tell me what you liked in a review on iTunes. Also, be sure to grab your winning negotiation cheat sheet at winmynegotiation.com. And remember, today is a perfect day to start negotiating your best life. Thank you.